Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Nicole Kagan is a multifaceted visual artist born in Johannesburg, South Africa and based in Toronto, Canada. Deeply inspired by the natural world as a reflection of the interior human experience, her works are layered and lush, thoughtful, and evocative. In her making practice, Nicole thrives on the freeing sense of experimentation and alchemy that accompanies work in mixed media, with an increasing interest in meaning-making and the intersection of movement and stillness. Her works exist as both beautiful images to behold, as well as mindful visual reminders in one space symbolizing a range of contemplative themes and concepts. Nicole also facilitates creative mindfulness sessions, teaching a range of alternative methods to stay more present in the moment through accessible sensory practices that explore a calming experience of creative expression and flow. Please help me welcome Nicole Kagan to the podcast. Morning, Nicole. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm so glad we get to chat. I have so many questions for you because you approach art in a very unique way. I thought what we could do is start by talking a little bit about your Tree of Life series. Beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to. That's definitely one of the more recent things. So I guess it builds on an earlier series that I launched during the pandemic. It's called The Meditative Muses. So I guess maybe helps to just talk about that a little bit first. It was a series that came out of just wanting to work in a slightly in a different way in the studio. So I had been doing sort of these mixed media paintings for a while, incorporating photographs, image transfers of photographs and other other types of collaged found bits and sometimes fabric, sometimes stitching, things like that. But I had started getting frustrated with the limitations of the dimensions of the that particular canvas or board. And because I work intuitively, I sometimes would find myself ending up with a piece where I really loved things that were going on in certain parts, but as a whole, it maybe wasn't working with the composition and that sort of thing. And so I just started to feel kind of like, you know, when you have like a, I don't know, a sweater or something, it starts to be too small and you're just kind of like edging out of it. It just started to feel constrictive, I guess. And so I had, I guess, intuitively started to just play on paper, which I had never really been that interested in doing works on paper other than sketches or little exercises here and there. But around that time, I think I had been introduced to fountain pen inks as uh, using them in my art and just kind of upped my quality of my watercolor stash. And I just started just really enjoying playing with inks and watercolors on paper. I loved just the immediacy of it. I loved the white space (laughs) around it. And just the fact that it could be something that could exist as its own thing, but that as I started to work, it became apparent that what I was starting to create were these kind of symbol-like forms 
And I started to get the idea that it would be beautiful to play with, like that some of them would be beautiful on a much in a bigger scale. And yeah, so there's sort of a lot of things that led into that particular project that came from different inspiration. Like personally, I was studying mindfulness and mindset mm-hmm. as well. And sort of the mindfulness element started to come in just because the nature of watercolor and inks tends to be a much more just delicate, slower process versus standing in front of a bigger canvas, which was a bit more activated. My body was, you know, using, it was more embodied and bigger gestures and things like that, or at least that's how I had been working before that. And so there was something just quieter about sitting and doing these little, I really just saw them as experiments in the beginning. It had actually, now you're reminding me, it's like we forget all the all the little dots that lead us to where we are. But another aspect that had fed into that, that sort of experimentation or discovery process was I was working with a, an artist mentor, I think a little bit before that. And we had talked about just sparking new ideas and wanting to, yeah, wanting to move into, you know, perhaps a new series or sort of something that would be a hybrid bridge into a new series. And so we had talked about just the value of experimenting basically mm-hmm. and how how important it is to just carve out time and space to just play and just to see what happens. And I hadn't really done that in a really focused way like that before. And so one of the things that we had done initially was just stripping away extra, like a lot of people who've done different kinds of art have learned the more constraints and limitations you can put on something sometimes the you know it really the creativity flourishes without so many inputs and so much noise that can just confuse the situation and so I think we had distilled it down to like India black India ink cheap paper tools I could find around my space and I had to generate a lot of them and so that week I just was it was like really expressive and flowing and there was the preciousness of materials was just not there in a way that probably mostly always is with me because you know I use artist grade beautiful paints and beautiful materials and papers and as much as you try to sort of tell yourself to just let go and be loose there's a there's a cost involved there's a I don't know. It just, it can sort of tighten you up a little bit. So by removing all of that preciousness, there was really just such a freeing sensation, just in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And as the week sort of progressed, I found I was slowing down because initially I was working quite quickly. It was really just a week of mark making. I had made all kinds of tools from things I had found outside and taped them to branches, like little bits of nature and things like that, just to, again, to disrupt, you know, our usual ways of making marks. And there was a lot of that going on. But by the end of the week, I really started to just slow down because I was getting tired. It had been a lot of output. And I think I was playing music the one day and I started to just respond to the music with the ink. And it was just really meditative and profoundly calming to my nervous system. And so I just, I think I filmed myself doing one of the clips and I think I had posted it and I got such a beautiful response and it really seemed like it had a cathartic like people were wa- who were watching it had the feeling that I had when I was doing it. And there was just something, again, like a new thing there that I hadn't really played with before. And so that really was also the spark that, that sort of led to this project. 
because from then on, from then I kept experimenting in this way, working, slowing the whole process way down, really playing with the fluidity of the materials and putting down just water first and dropping in ink and just seeing it bloom across the surface and just enjoying the process again in a way that was different than how I had worked before. You're talking about process. Is process a big part of how you create? Is that an important element to your work? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm very prolific. So I tend to, like ever since I was little, I just, I tend to create a lot of things, whether it's papers, books, <laughs> you know, I have, I just, there's a lot of ephemera and artifacts of things around me. I love, you know, I love reading. I love taking in new ideas, gadgets, like clever gadgets, things like that. I'm just really interested in all of that. So it's the same with, with materials and techniques and all of that. And so, yeah, just to I have to sort of create a certain amount, which creates a level of chaos <laughs> physically and even mentally. And then I have a sort of process that I've started to learn about myself over the years, which is just that I need to then go through and filter and cull and just distill. And that's very much also how that series sort of played out. It was extremely process heavy and it really took a while to sort of find itself. And there was a trusting that had to happen to let it unfold as it was going to. So, you know, I created way, 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 way more than what people have seen. There's, I think, eight of them now in the series. And so that has led your around very long answer to your question around the trees, because that was really the foundation for this new offshoot series, which is the, the tree series, which is sort of a hybrid of my previous work, incorporating photography and mixed media into, into my paintings. And then this newer work, which was really just these distilled ink and watercolor type um, forms with white space around them to breathe. They were much more minimal and really distilled which also sort of called on my graphic design background and mm -hmm. just communicating an idea really succinctly and powerfully. And so the new series takes some of those types of that type of work and starts to incorporate photographic elements, mm -hmm. but they're still sold as, as prints. And if I was going to do prints, I was interested in having the series only exist as prints you know, I know some people have beautiful painting that they've made and sold, and then sometimes they'll offer that as a series of, you know, limited edition prints, which is, which is beautiful. For me, I was interested, yeah, I wasn't interested in selling the originals. It was really about refining the image as much as possible and then allowing it to be available in a range of sizes that could be shipped easily, that there was just a sense of ease in the making of them. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted that sense of flow and ease to be throughout the process as well, even in the sort of sharing them in the world kind of thing. And so this new series will be a continuation of exploring that intersection of photographic with ink and watercolor. Some of them might have mixed media elements, like some of them might have stitching or I don't know, things like might be some interventions I play with. Oh, I like that. that. That sounds fascinating for sure. I'm wondering how the mindfulness and that whole intuitive part comes into your practice. Can you speak to that for anybody who doesn't work that way? Yeah, I think really it comes down to, for me, the first thing above all else is the slowing down. <laughs> so in order to be mindful, in order to be able to attune 
to what's going on internally or externally. We have to get quiet enough to notice and to listen and to hear. And usually that involves slowing way down. And so, yeah, there's always been a beautiful way in which my personal life and my things that I say struggle with or things that I'm interested in or exploring are interwoven into my into my artwork, into my process, sometimes even as they're sort of metaphors of of ideas that follow through into the artwork. Like the the symbols of the muses are all ideas that I want to remind myself of all the time. And so the idea is that they exist as as sort of a symbol that goes right into your subconscious mind because it's so distilled and clear. And if you understand what it's called and the little blurb that it comes with, then having that in your space, it's just like a shortcut right away. You see that. And if you understand what it means to you, then you can just get that idea in your body right away. So it really came from my own exploration personally. Mm-hmm. And because there's such sort of, there's their ideas that resonate with so many people that in this world, we need so much more. We need reminders of all that stuff, whether it's centering yourself or that idea of presence, of holding space for another, for other ideas, for our children, <laughs> for ourselves. That idea of the present symbol is sort of a U-shape and that's one of the muses. And it's so simple. Like it just looks so deceivingly simple, but it's one of the most profound ones for me. Mm-hmm. I actually have it. I blew it up and I have a big version of it in my house right now. And I use it in so many different ways. So that's personally kind of how some of that came in. And then also just the pleasure and the beauty of working slowly like that. There's a, I like to tap into the feeling that we had as kids when we played with a stick in mud or in sand or just really feeling the materials in a way that in itself is a beautiful experience, you know, tracing something or I also, we can get to this if we do, but I also teach these creative mindfulness workshops and we do exercises where we literally draw the breath, like a mark for the in-breath and a mark for the out-breath, which becomes sort of like a biofeedback process because you can notice the quality of your breath, the length of your breath by the line that you're drawing. And similarly, you can impact your breath by extending the line, having you breathe deeper or shortening it. Or I think I need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I take short, shallow breaths. So I clearly like we all do. So many of us do if we're not aware and we don't have, you know, even even I'm like working on that constantly and I still am mostly am doing that, you know, unless I'm really paying attention. I think that yeah. what you're saying really resonates because I feel like we've become so used to the immediate satisfaction, especially with technology. We want everything fast that we're forgetting just to slow down and sort of appreciate what's around us. And even in our own creative processes, I know I sometimes go down to the studio. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it's just, you got to take a step back for a minute. Yeah. And the simplifying, like the simplifying is its own sort of antidote to the world right now because there's just too much. There's too much of everything. It's too much news. It's like, it's too much bad news for sure. It's too much, you know, it's just too much going on on that level, but it's too much good stuff too. It's like, how many newsletters am I signed up for? How many courses have I signed up for? It's it's all amazing stuff I'm so interested in, but we only have so much bandwidth to even digest it and take it in. And 
And we tend to sort of keep piling it on and piling it on and not giving us ourselves the space. And so I find it similar in the studio, especially if you're a mixed media artist. I thrive on the novelty and the intersections of materials, the surprising things that can happen. I'm just, I've always just gotten like a feeling in my body when I, when I just combine certain things, there's like a magic or like a synergy that happens, but very quickly, similar to what I was saying before, I tend to amass so many ideas, so many versions of things I've made, so many materials. And so it just becomes just too much, you know, and you, it becomes then sort of anxiety provoking. I could on this piece, I could add material. I could not only is there color and the endless decisions around color or yeah. shape, form, all those kinds of things, scale, but then you're throwing in different materials. And there's often not necessarily a right or a wrong. It's just different choices that create new things you need to respond to. And so by just simplifying and just reducing the options, mm-hmm. it is just that itself is, I find, profoundly calming and down-regulating to my nervous system. And so I find it's like sort of a push and pull, like there's a push and pull in my process where sometimes I really want all of that input and the beautiful mess of it all, which is the name of one of my muses. Like the there's a vitality and an energy to, just, you know, lots of different things that you're playing with. And But I find I can't do too much of that without the other. I have to have that counterpoint now mm-hmm. of times of just quieter times where I'm not even in the studio and I'm just walking and thinking or I'm recording voice memos or I'm writing more and just time to integrate and Mm -hmm. sort of process the input of ideas or the output of work. Mm -hmm. And so that's come from, so like there's a mindfulness just inherent, just even in learning those rhythms in a way of working. That's great. Many years ago, you did a residency at the Toronto Islands. Can you speak about that? And then how has that sort of played out and informed where you are today? Yes, that was so amazing. I've done, I'm thinking, trying to think if I've done two or three. The last one was actually not that long before the pandemic. I think the fall before the first lockdown. (laughs) And so, but what they became was... I would say it was not an example of me not bringing a lot of things. (laughs) It was like, I think I asked the guy when I showed up with the ferry with all of my things, like, am I bringing the most things that anyone has ever brought? And he's like, I think you might be. (laughs) Because I just wanted to, I really just wanted to experiment in a way that I don't have time or space for in my life, being a mom and just all kinds of other life things to just have a week, just pure experimentation, like to, to, you know, create something and then that sparks something. And then, you know, you follow that thread and then that forms another idea. And, and on your studio table, there's a mishmash of things. And one thing is over another thing. And suddenly you just see something in a new way or two colors are next to each other that you weren't expecting. I get that in my studio as well, to some extent, but the the opportunity of a residency, a self-directed residency to remove yourself from your usual environment and just go into sort of an empty space that you intentionally bring what you're bringing and then just give that space to give yourself that time and space to sort of 
just be curious and just investigate and just try things. And I did like a million (laughs) experiments and things, some of which nothing happened to them. Others seemingly like I thought, oh, that kind of was just its own weird thing. I don't know what I'll ever do with that. But then two years later, something about that has pulled into something I'm doing now. So it's just been a really rich opportunity to flesh out ideas, but also to really spark ideas. And interestingly, this Sunday, I'm taking a week just in the city. I'm just going to basically sublet a place for a week in the beach area, which is not where I live. And it's going to be to work on my book project and it's going to be mostly writing. So I'm going to challenge myself for the first time ever on one of these opportunities to actually not bring all my art supplies because it's mainly about writing. And that is like a huge deal for me, but I'm so excited to just have, again, to put those constrictions or parameters around it and then just to focus, like to focus my brain and have that beautiful dance between space and structure and spontaneity and to sort of see if I can keep working on what I've been working on with the book project. I think that's a perfect transition. You want to talk a little bit about your book project and what that entails? Sure, sure. Yeah, because I would say that that sort of that new tree series, which is also going to be sort of is building in the background right now, and the book are probably the two things that are the most current. So the book project is really, it's one of those, well, I'm imagining, I'm hoping it will be one of those things where someone can pick it up and they can flip to any page and have an experience or they could have an experience from beginning to end by reading through it. It's going to be mostly image-based, like full bleed images, details of my work, like abstractions and details of my work, all kinds of photographs I've taken over many years, photographs of finished pieces, of process, of all kinds of things. And so the overarching idea is about elevated moments in our lives. And the ones that they sit above the others for reasons of like, for they're beautiful, they're poignant, they're moving, they're all of those kinds of, they're usually quite sensory. So there's usually something to do with light or shadow or flavor or, you know, scent or uh, color, that kind of thing. And so this is like what I'm all about, <laughs> like this book. And I think this is like sort of my gift in the world is that I'm so tuned in. Mm-hmm. to these things moment to moment, day to day. And I really believe that these noticing these moments and first of all, again, similar to what I said before, we have to slow down enough to even notice them. Mm-hmm. You know, then we need to even know to value them as something special, not just everyday little things that most people are not noticing. And then there's a process of really like what it is to relish or savor something in our bodies, the pleasure and the joy and the beauty of that. And then there's also a process of like letting it go because they're ephemeral and they are moving. And just within that, there's just like a beautiful life practice and the collection of those moments in our life, I really believe gives us our quality of our life. There's so much other stuff, so much other pain and heartache and darkness and all kinds of other things in the world. But these things are for me, that's what makes it all worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's very much about a sense of coherence and communion between two things. And so in those moments, you're having an experience with something else, with someone else, with 
a color, with a piece of music, with the way that the light is hitting, you know, a flower, almost like a spotlight, just because it came through at just the right angle and with the house next door. And just by some miracle, it's like hitting the top of your flat, you know, those kinds of like transcendent moments. So it's sort of a celebration and exploration of of that. So there'll be some like little written vignettes as I'm imagining, but it's still it's still an amorphous kind of ongoing discovery and exploration right now. Is it challenging as a visual artist to start to put some of those thoughts into words, like when you're creating a book? Yes. Yes, it is. Although I am, you know, as you could probably tell, I'm pretty verbal and pretty, I'm pretty descriptive. I'm like one of those wordy writers that needs to use way too many adjectives because each one is a slightly different facet. My husband will come in and edit something and he's like, you only need one of those. No, but each one is like slightly different and gets at something slightly different. And so, yeah, to write more poetically is my style anyways, like sort of free writing type. Really, I see them as these, I'm calling them little moment vignettes, but they're like little slices of, of an experience. And the challenge, the biggest challenge that is what this book is all about is this idea that there's a feeling that I had when I was experiencing this. So A, can I even put that into words? Mm -hmm. And then if I can, can I, even for myself, a period of time later when I return and reread that or say edit it, or it ends up in the book, can I then have that same feeling again when I read it? Or was it really only something that existed in the moment? So that, and then hopefully if I can feel it again when I read it, then I'm hopefully it resonates with, with someone else. And so, yeah, there's, there's just so many ways I could come at the book and ways I could structure it or types of moments I could focus on. So I'm still not sure if it's like a little series of smaller ones that are different themed moments, or if it's really just random, all kinds of random types of moments with a bit of a, an explanation about this, doing this as a practice. It's kind of this big amorphous thing that I'm trying to really create some space and priority for because it's the kind of thing that ends up being on the back burner all the time because it's not a money-making thing. It's not, in fact, it's a money-costing thing at this point. And it could take me a long time still to sort of figure it out. But I have, if it comes out the way I'm hoping, I, it really feels like it will really it will be like one way of making my mark or leaving sort of a legacy of the way that I see the world for my girls, for, for other people that get it. Yeah, I like that. Also, it was making me think about too, as an artist, how we get excited about seeing something in that moment where maybe other people are like looking at us going, what are you looking at? So to be able to explain yeah. and express what that spark is and what that thing is that excites us about, like you said, the light coming onto the flower that would be beautiful for people who are non-visual to start to understand. Yes, exactly. And sometimes maybe it's the image that speaks for itself, or maybe it's a few words on the image. Sometimes maybe, yeah, maybe it's a list sometimes, or maybe sometimes it's a little poem or a little, just a little paragraph. Yeah, that's all the stuff I'm kind of in the midst of figuring out. I'm just currently trying to generate a lot of written little recordings of different kinds of moments. Mm -hmm. And it's also very much like I need to be living all of the work itself to be in the space to write it mm-hmm. or to be creating it. So I need to be in a space where I am tuned in and relishing and savoring and noticing and all of that. So this upcoming week is hopefully going to be a space for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds exciting to take that step away and actually focus on it. So can't wait to see what happens of it. I know, me too. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Speaking of books, is there a book that you would recommend to other artists to read that you think would be beneficial to their practice? Oh, there's so many great books out there. I guess two that come to mind, because I can never just answer these questions with one thing, (laughs) are Art and Fear is one that I think is so worth reading. And yeah, there's an idea in there that I love, just about overcoming resistance, that we just have resistance, you know, for all kinds of reasons, like just to expect that that comes up. And it's not like you work through that and then you're going to go to the studio and you're not going to encounter resistance. It's going to be there in all kinds of different ways. And so I think at some point they say something like, I'm I'm hoping I've got the right book, but I'm pretty sure it is that it's the question at the end of the day is like, did I overcome resistance today of some form, in some way, in some aspect of my life? Because that's such a win every time we do that. And so I love that idea. And I think there's also, there's a quote where, yeah, there's a way that a line that, that they talk about around that reminded me of my book a little bit. It was a little bit about creating art is, is sort of something that happens sort of between you and something, something to that effect. But my book is very much, again, it's, as I mentioned, it's about that. It's about these encounters and these, they're like conversations in a way that we have in these moments with us and something else. And so when we're making art, it's absolutely a conversation. There's even, I find sometimes sides within me that are, this must be such a common thing. There's the loose, free, expressive, flowing side. And then there's the sort of tighter, wanting to control, wanting to resolve and have it all come together. Mm-hmm. Or my, my sort of graphic design training mind versus my art training <laughs> or art instinct. That yeah. sometimes those are almost like having a chess game in the <laughs> piece of art. And they're, And I even at some point thought of creating a piece that was intentionally like that, where I'm making a move from one side and then from the other intentionally and somehow, I don't know, recording it or something. But yeah, so that's a great book. It's got lots in it. And there's also a creative mindfulness book that I love. If people are interested, it's called Stop, Look, Breathe, Create. Mm-hmm. And I loved finding this woman. We're very, very aligned because, you know, I have my own version of that, which is, you know, the slowing down, like the pausing, noticing savoring for me it's also the letting go which is also a form of like you can be creating or expressing as a form of letting go in a way so yeah I feel very aligned with her ideas and in my workshop I often recommend that book for people who are interested in creative mindfulness expression that sounds great I'll have to check it out for sure well thank you so much Nicole this has been wonderful and I can't wait to see what comes out of your book project in the next little while so I'll definitely be keeping track (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.